success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? Amy Wineland Daughters is a keynote speaker, letter writer, satirist, sports journalist, and author of Dear Dana. That time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of her Facebook friends a handwritten letter and you cannot mess this up. A true story that never happened. She is absolutely convinced that when human beings connect individually in a meaningful way, that nothing can separate them. Oh my gosh. Amy, welcome to She's Invincible. We're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, yes. What a joy. What a joy in such a special time of year. So let's jump in. Let's get started. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? All right. Great. Um, you know, I uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas. You know, I'm a Houston girl. You know, I, I went to Texas Tech University and got a business degree and then I started in the purchasing world. Um, I spent about 10 years in that arena, you know, and then all of a sudden we get a call. My husband's company calls and just said, hey, why don't you move to the UK for three years? So we were like, well, we had one little kid. We were in our 30s. We're like, this is going to be a great adventure. So we moved to England for three years and he had a work visa. Work visas are hard things to get. I did not. So I, you know, I thought it was a pause in my career. But when we got to England, I, I was like, what do I do with all this time? Because I'd never had that much time before. So the first thing is I took some history classes at the university that we lived near. And then I was like, you know, I've always liked to write. I, I wrote as a kid. I was one of those girls who would read, you know, write emails at work and I'd reread them and crack myself up and think they were funny or serious or whatever. And I was like, well, I'll just start writing. So I started doing freelance work. And that was before the internet really blew up. That was dial-up internet. But I was like, uh, I didn't realize people would pay you for content. And so I just started writing content. And that, I've always loved sports. I've always loved football. And that led to a contract. I wrote, I wrote for the Bleacher Report. I was a national columnist for college football for several years. And then I roll along like, oh, I always had this book idea. So I write my first book. I didn't ever think it was going to get published. And then I was minding my own business and I wrote a second book. And so I got, I got here totally was not planned out, you know, and the, and the trajectory of this whole thing just took off and turned into who I was going to become. It's a, it really is a beautiful story. Oh my gosh, it is beautiful. So tell us what makes you invincible. Well, what makes me invincible is, you know, first of all, I never give up and I'm never going to live, leave anything on the table. I'm somebody who comes up with some 
you know, crazy ideas, big ones and little ones. But I, you know, I tried, especially as I've gotten older to never leave anything on the table. I'm, I'm, when I go out, I'm going to go out with a bang because I've never have been, you know, stopped. But I think the biggest thing for me it, that I've learned is I get up every morning and I do the little things. I do little things every day. You know, I take small steps forward in big projects and that little bitty tiny things you do, that's what adds up to getting a book published or writing a speech or whatever big things you have. It's little bitty steps every day. I love that. Oh my gosh. I don't think anyone's ever shared that as being what makes them invincible, but I agree a hundred percent because I'm like the all or nothing person and that doesn't work well until I start breaking it down and doing something each day. And I think that keeps us engaged, inspired, right? And motivated to finish when we're doing just a little bit and not wearing ourselves out. So I love that. Oh, amazing. Okay. Well, let's jump into your topic today, which I love. And that is three steps to restoring unconditional connection. Right. Right. And, you know, just to give you the backstory, I, um, in, in 2015, I hadn't written a letter to anyone in 30 years, probably. I'm like everyone else. It's, you know, instantaneous communication is a beautiful thing. You know, social media is a beautiful thing. But I was kind of minding my own business. And I was on Facebook and I thought about this girl that I knew at a summer camp 30 years ago. And I was like, whatever happened to Dana? So I went and looked her up on Facebook and boom, there she is. She accepted my friendship request. And I find out right away that she has five kids. So she's overachieved in giving birth to people, you know, and so she, she has four daughters and one son. Well, right away, I find out that her one son, Parker, who is her youngest child, has cancer. And he's at St. Jude in Memphis and this kid's fighting for his life. So I immediately, as a human being, become involved in this story. You know, Dana and I had big personalities at camp. That's about all I remembered. But I become engaged in the story. So Parker, you know, uh, battles his way to remission. They move back home. Um, and then it, it kind of goes off my radar, you know. Uh, and then he relapses and they go back to Memphis. You know, she asks for prayers. I pray. We don't really have any contact. There was one Facebook message, and that's the only contact we'd had in 30 years. Well, when she goes back to the Ronald McDonald House in Memphis, and I'm a writer, that's what I do. And I was, it was like a bolt of lightning. I was like, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll just start writing them letters. And, and I like to call it like DEFCON 5 of craziness, because that was like my first step into the world of like, I'm going to go nuts. And so I was like, yeah, I'll write them letters. So I start sending Parker and Dana these letters, letters to the Ronald McDonald House. And again, I hadn't written a letter in 30 years. I'd never met Parker. I had not seen or spoken to Dana in 30 years. So I have no idea they're getting these letters. So I write for probably six to eight weeks. And then, you know, and there's no good words for this. It has nothing to do with me. But Parker passes away at 15. Um, so he loses his battle and I sit back and I'm like, so what do I do next? And again, it had nothing to do with me, but I was like, you know what? I'll just keep writing the letters. I was just inspired to write the letter. So I stalk Dana's husband's office and I start sending the letters to his law, you know, his office address. And so for about four months, I just keep writing. I'm thinking of you. I send condolence cards. I'm like, I don't know what to say. You know, I start filling mm -hmm. in on the details of my life. And then Four months, five months into it, she starts writing me back. And then she starts sharing about her grief. I start sharing about my life. We share on a level that we shouldn't share. We start trusting each other. On, on, and we, we, we spent two years just communicating through the mail. We didn't have each other's you know, text information, email, anything. And that experience was so profound because 
we were connected. I was sharing. I didn't know what she believed politically. I didn't know what her spiritual, religious beliefs were. I didn't care. You know, we just shared. I was like, wait a second. If something this powerful could happen with this one literally random girl who I hadn't spoken to in 30 years, what else is out there? So I was like, I'm really going to go crazy. And so I put every, all my Facebook friends' names into a box. I started pulling them out every day. I had stationery made. I wrote 600 handwritten letters in 18 months and it blew up my life. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. And so I think this is a great time to say that this week, as we're speaking here today, is National Letters Writing Day, which I think is just amazing. And I love that you started your own journey that way and just where your heart was. And I, I feel like this is such a good uh, piece of advice to people. Every time we hear about a situation in someone's life, we always feel so helpless, right? And it's really kind of what you said, like, I, you know, what can I do? What can I do just as a human? Uh, and I think this is such a beautiful thing that turned out from that desire to just be able to do something. And I, I just love that so much. I'm sorry that. Parker passed, but I'm so uh, encouraged that you were there to uh, inspire his mother and be her friend and lift her up and really help her through that grief journey. Right. And she was and she has told me this since because we've become like BFFs, you know, we're best friends now. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But she had she had told me, you know, when when they were after they lost Parker, you know, she none of them wanted to bring like if everyone else was having an OK day, the four girls and her husband. She didn't want to come in and be the one that was having, you know, the horrible day and bring everybody down. So she used me and I was literally a stranger. She used the letters to me to share her grief. I became a safe space for her to deposit that. And I don't think any of us feel like we're equipped to help somebody in that kind of situation. But I helped her without even knowing it because I just opened a door. That's all I did. But I think the great thing about letters is that they are so non-intrusive because you don't. And I learned so many things about the power of letter writing, but it, they're not intrusive because if I write you, Tammy, you don't feel you don't feel obligated to write me back right away because you know that I know that I don't know when you read it. I don't even know if you got it. So it takes this burden off of you that you don't have to reply to every word I said because there's this time lapse that creates this vacuum where there's there's just more freedom you can share more freely i think when you when you write your thoughts down it's a much different process and, and you don't even know if they're going to be read so it's a little bit like dear diary but with a human with a heart connected to it you know it's a super mm -hmm. powerful thing but you know it's different than if a text because then you know i read it and then you expect to to hear back from me and that's kind of isolating in a way yeah. Yes. It's a lot of pressure. Right. And nowadays you can even see when people read your text, like you can see that they right. saw it and then you're like, OK, when are they going to respond? Why are they taking so long? You know, As there's so much pressure in all of that. Uh, the same thing with Facebook and all the social medias. Oh, my gosh. So I just love this. Right. And I and I, and you know, when I wrote the letters, the Facebook letters, you know, you think about that, like, what do you say? Like, think about your Facebook list. Okay. And we can all think it's so relatable because our categories are all the same. Okay. Junior high school band, 
you know, that girl I played soccer with, the girl I danced with at a wedding and I met her in the women's room, you know, then there's the people, your cousins, the people you've done life with, the girl you live next door to in Ohio for 12 years, you know? So what do you say to those people? And this is the, this is the secret sauce of my experience. So I pull those names out of the box. What am I going to do? Well, the first thing I did, not because I'm a great person, just because I was trying to fulfill this, this, I'm going to write a letter every day goal, you know, but you look at their profile and you're like, Hey, wait a second. I, you know, this person, you know, like, let's say we were friends in junior high school and I wrote you a letter. Well, Cammie's, she's a coach, you know, she's a, she's a, she's a podcaster, you know, she's an author, she's a teacher. So the first thing I do is be like, oh my God, wow. I am so proud of you. Look at what you've done with your, with your life. So I could say that in a letter now. And then when I looked at your profile, I could also find out if you had so many people had suffered a loss I didn't know about, or because I was looking at the newsfeed, I wasn't looking at them individually, or you had had an achievement, or you had, you know, done something great. So I had time, I, I had a chance to express, you know, condolences, you know, uh, it, you know, congratulations, all those things. And then the second component of it, I, I, I looked at how you fit into my life. You know, I looked at so I added personal value to you, became this person outside of Facebook. So I was like, she was the girl who was there when my grandmother died, or she mm. was the girl who sat next to me and my boyfriend ditched me in, in junior year. Oh. And I cried in the bathroom. You were like, it's going to be okay. She was the girl who showed up to my soccer game when no one else would, or she was the girl who lived next to me in the dorm and lived through that with me. So all of a sudden you were expressing thanks and gratitude. So it, I started looking at this relational chart. I was like, oh, my God, these people all fit into my life for a specific reason. You know, so you're expressing all these things in a letter and then you're sending them the letter and telling them that they matter to you in real life. Well, that is a formula for an absolutely meaningful experience on both ends of the equation, because when you get that letter from me, when you pick it up out of your mailbox and try to think of the last time everyone tried to, and this is a great week to do it because of national letter writing day. Think about the last time you went to your mailbox and there was a handwritten communication, you know, beyond the Christmas card with something with that kind of power, like thanking you for what you did for them and acknowledging what you've done with in your life. That's going to blow your doors off. And they're going to know that you, not only did you think all that in your head and your heart, because we all have that in us. We just don't do anything with it, but that you took, you made the effort to go to Target and buy some little card and write seven sentences or 44 pages or whatever was in your heart. You had to find an envelope. You had to find their address. You had to get a stamp. And then guys, you had to drive to the post office (laughs) and find one of those blue boxes and stick it in there. And then they're going to know that they mean something to another human being. And that is everything. And all of a sudden, Cammie, for 66 cents, we have the power to change someone's life. Oh, that is so powerful. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So this this is just amazing. And I love where it went from here. So let's talk about like, okay, now we talked about like all of these ways. But then what was the response? Now, I, we know about Dana. But what were some of the other responses that you had gotten when you wrote all these people? Oh, it was just all over the place. Because when you, you know, I think that, the, you know, the biggest takeaway is one, when 
when someone, when someone, you know, when you're reached out to in that way, and this has nothing to do with me being a great writer, or a great, if anyone did this similar project, they would have similar results. First of all, people shared so much because they felt when you get, when you feel like you've been treated like an individual, then the sharing, like people shared so much personal information with me. And I found out, and this is very obvious and cliche, but I found out that people's experience offline is so different than what you see online. Over and over again, I was reminded that people's real life is so much more real than what we think it is. But the sharing got to the point, Cammy, that I couldn't keep up with. It. And I actually started to feel guilty because I couldn't be there for each of these people as a real life friend. And that was a surprise takeaway for me. You know, the sharing was, the, you know, was the biggest thing. And then just over and over again, people told me, oh, the timing of your letter, it just, you know, it blew me away. But the biggest thing people said was, I'm going to share your letter. I'm going to save your letter in a special place for the rest of my life. And I just had no idea because I was so non-intentional. That's what made it so beautiful that it, it, that it would have that sort of meaning for people. That is so powerful, Amy. So a few more questions. Um, did you send letters to men and women? Oh, that's a great, such a great question. I did. I, cause you know, I sent it to all the Facebook friends and, you know, I was always aware as a, as a woman and a, you know, a wife, you know, writing to, to, uh, cause men my age, you know, I was always at the end, like love to you and your family, you know, like, like, this is not some weird ex-girlfriend. Cause I did write to a few ex-boyfriends, you know, but I tried to keep it very like, where the, if the woman would have read it, she would have been like, this is a respectable situation, you know, and I didn't, but that's a great question. And, you know, I almost felt more like I felt over and over again, I felt like I could be more, you know, I don't know, like open with the women, like the women would be more open to the, the, the letter than the men. But I found out over and over again, I got a lot of responses from guys that, you know, our humanness, you know, is, is separate from gender, like, you know, people need that love. And I'm, I almost feel like it meant more, not meant more to the guys, but I guess those responses were, I, I was more surprised by them. But I think I just, our human hearts need the same things. I guess that's what I'm saying. And I think we, I, I don't know, as a woman, maybe we leave men out of that sometimes. Mm, I love that. And I was wondering, like, what was the percentage of responses? Were probably the same or was it more women responding? Do you, do you remember? I think, I don't know. I think I wrote to fewer men mm -hmm. and they responded in about the same because the overall response rate was like 78% a response in some way. You know, that's amazing. It is amazing. And, um, you know, and I, that's, I counted anyway, they responded, uh, a handwritten letter back. That was what people were most compelled to do. And I also kind of learned that if people have certain personality types and it didn't make someone better if they responded, but some people just felt, compelled in their body, like in their person, like they could not go without responding. But I also, I also, I also learned that, you know, it kind of, because I couldn't keep up with the responses. I also learned, and I had a couple of people tell me they didn't know what to say back. So they sent me a text. I also realized that we can have a real impact on people and we just need to not worry about the response because getting caught up in being responded to kind of makes it about us, which is fine. Cause I, I mean, I was so gratified by this whole thing that I'll never be the same again, but, but I think I learned that we can have an absolute huge, profound impact on somebody, even if we never hear back from them. Yes. And, the, and you know, that they heard your words, right. That you were able to bless them with your words and that had to inspire them, whether they responded or not, like you just can't ignore that stuff. Right. 
Oh, and I love what you said about how it changed your life. And that was really going to be one of my questions I scribbled on my paper was, how has this made you, the Amy, different in this process? Well, I think that, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I wrote to so many people who I knew because, you know, I wrote a lot of these letters during the 2016 presidential election cycle. You know, when the, when those lines were really being drawn, I feel like I mean, it's hard to really say when they're but I really feel like that's when we really started drawing the lines and saying, you know, unless you fit into this box, I want to shove you into mm-hmm. not only can we not it was like conditional connection, not only will I not like love you, but I might not even engage with you and listen to you anymore unless it's like A, B, C and D. And over and over again, I realized when I reached out, especially to people I knew didn't vote the same way I voted or have the same specific, you know, beliefs I had over and over again. If I reach out to you with nothing but goodwill on the line and you respond to me in kind, or even if you don't respond to me and we make this connection where love and a kinship and like fellowship or whatever the word you want to use is the basis of the connection. All that stuff still matters, but it just starts to dissipate. It just doesn't matter as much because when you have that personal connection with someone, you know, who really cares? But that's when we really start to respect and listen to each other again as we get into that no man's land of, you know, unconditional connection. And we kind of reach out and be like, okay, what us matters more than all the stuff that's going on around us. So I think the biggest takeaway for me is I absolutely refuse to believe that there's something that can that can separate two humans who are intent on listening to each other and 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 loving each other and respecting each other. And I think we've let we've let this chasm, you know, uh, separate us. And I think the way that I think letter writing is a simple way to to, you know, to shrink that down. And that that's where the three simple steps come. You know, yes. the three simple steps are so simple. It's, Let's it's, do it. Yeah, you're going to sit down with your and I think letter writing can seem intimidating and it absolutely doesn't have to be. You can write on one piece of small yellow, small legal pad. You can write you can go to Target and buy a card that's three by five. You can write 400 pages if that but you got to do it your way. The the number one rule in letter writing is there is no rules. You got to do you got to do it your way, you know, but but if you sit down to write somebody a letter. The first thing you do is you take that person out of their box, you know, of, of what you think you know about them, what you, you know, the, the assumptions you have that that separate you. And you look at them and say, who is this person really as a person? You look at the first Facebook profile and say, here's what they've done. Here's what they're doing. And be like, what is their life like? And and look at them as a real person. And number two is to do what I said, assign a mean to that person, like say, this is who Cami is to me. I met her you know, in high school, this is what our interaction meant. And so you add personal value. And if you say this person's a real person, and then step two, you add that personal value to them, here's who they are to me, then you absolutely have something to say. And you can say it in three sentences or 400, it does not matter. And then the simple act of mailing that thing, and you dropping it in the box, you will feel like a rock star. You will sit there with anticipation. You will feel like you've done something, but you have no idea what it's going to mean when they pull that thing out of a mailbox. It will change their lives. That's the whole process. 
I love that. And you know, as you're saying it, like just the words you said as they're pulling it out of the mailbox, I'm feeling that inside, like the anticipation and the curiosity of, oh my gosh, what are they feeling, right? Like I want to be a part of that feeling. And I think that's so cool because that allows your own imagination to create whatever impact you want to have as you do that. I mean, you you never really know unless they respond. And even then, how do you put feelings into words like that and give it justice, right? right. Like how it, it, there's some things they say, right? Or just pr- priceless or undescribable or words could never describe. And I think that's one of those feelings uh, where that comes true. I, I just love what you're doing and I love what you did next. So let's jump into the next thing that you did with that, with Dana, because that is amazing too. Oh, the, um, are you referring putting, to your Dana? Yeah, putting the letters together. Right, right. Right, and the, right. And the, your Dana, yeah. Right, right. And so, you know, I was three quarters through writing. I never intended to write a book. I never intended to, you know, start a letter writing movement, which is what I'd like to do. I never intended to write. I never intended to do any of this. But I was about three quarters through writing the Facebook letters. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to share this story with the world because it is just so impactful and is so relatable. So the day after I wrote letter 580, which was the final letter of the Facebook project when the yes. craziness stopped. And I stopped accepting people's friendship requests because I just could not go on any further. I have like 900 Facebook friends now or a thousand. I don't know what it is, but uh, sadly the last 400 didn't get a letter, you know, but they, I sat, I sat down, I wrote the first five chapters of the book that became Dear Dana. That time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends, a handwritten letter, also known as the longest subtitle in publishing history. And I don't know how that got through the book people, but it did. But the book takes, it starts with Dana and I's connection. It, you know, dives deeper in that. It goes through a little bit of our pen palling. Dana's words are in there. So powerful, you know, so, yeah, I mean, just so profound. And then it kicks off the journey of the letter writing and it features really a quick, really quick 52 chapters about the really short chapters about the letters and, you know, basically just different lessons I learned along the way, you know, again, relatable, because I think a lot of people's lists, a lot of people's results would be the same as, as mine were. I love that. Oh my gosh. So now the book is out in the world and who knows what's next, but wow. So I just, I love this so much. Where can people find your books? And I, I will have the link in the um, show notes, but where, where is that being sold? Yeah, they're anywhere fine books are sold, but you can go to my website, amydaughters.com. And if you go under the books tab, it's got both books and it's got links to purchase them on, you know, that you can, you can get them, you know, wherever you can get a book. And uh, that'll give you all the deets on that and all the, all the deets on me, you know. Yes, I love that. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Anything else? I feel like we need to give a call to action, right? On the podcast, I know you have that in the book, but... Uh, what can we, what kind of call to action can we give our listeners to get them started on some kind of journey of letter writing? Right. My, my advice would be, you know, it's like anything else in life is to get started. And this is part of my whole, um, why I'm invincible. You asked me, it's like the small steps every day. That's what, that's how, because I think writing 580 uh, letters is ridiculous. I think it's insane. And I don't know how I did it, but I will tell you, that the key to doing this and anything else is sitting down every morning for 15 minutes. That that's my advice would be go buy a, a box of small note cards from target, you know, like 
six of them or whatever you're, and then, then commit to next week, like five days. I'm going to sit down for 15 minutes. That's it. 15 minutes every morning, every afternoon, whenever your time is that you get like a, like a, whether that's the evening or whatever, you know, buy five stamps or just take them to the post office and get them stamped there. Just do five and think of the five first, five first people you think of and write them down and get started. Do that and see what happens. You know, but, but that's my call to action. Do it. Do one, do five, do, do something tomorrow. And I guarantee you it will change your life because I think the assumption is uh, the assumption I went into it. I didn't really have an assumption, but I really felt like it was going to change. Like it was going to mean something to other people. What it meant to me, I'm the most changed. You know, if I could be anyone I wanted to be in the world, and this is a sincere statement, I would be the Amy daughters I was when I wrote the 18 months I was writing those letters. It was absolutely the best version of me. And I wish I could recapture that, but I, I can, I still write, I still spend 20 minutes every day writing people something, thank you notes, birthday cards, whatever I can get my hands on. Cause the adrenaline, the, the meaningfulness is so rich. And I would just encourage everyone to go out and buy a small set of cards and get her done and write two sentences. That's all you need. I love it. Now, Amy, here's a question for you. How do we find people's addresses? If we're friends with them on Facebook or lost touch with them and they moved around, what's the best way? Well, that's a great question. You know, mm -hmm. I had probably 60% of the addresses, you know, or I called my mom and got them or called a friend and got them. But the, but the easiest way to, to write somebody who you don't have their address for is to, if you know where they're employed is, you can send it there. And, you know, perfect example is teachers. Just send it to their school. It has, it, and you get the surprise impact there too, because they have no idea that letter's coming. You know, you can do that. You can do a Google search. Sometimes that's works. That's kind of sketch. But, you know, the other thing you can do is you can, I, I Facebook message people and ask for their address. And I've gotten probably 97% of the physical address I asked for. And you, and you, and that shocked me, completely <laughs> shocking, you know, but, but, you know, I, I would encourage you to write the letter and then get the address. Because then you're going to be so committed to finding that address. You're going to be like a woman on a mission, you know, because like, I'm going to take the time to do all that. I'm going to need this address. And that was, I laid out all these rules for myself when I did the project. That was one, again, non-intentional that worked out really well because I've mailed all but seven of the letters probably because of that reason. Wow. I would, I, I would ask for the address if you can't find it. Because there's a reason you wrote that personal letter. There's a reason you want to send it to them. And just say, hey, I got something to send you. Yeah, I wrote you a note, you know. I love and, it. 97%. Oh my gosh. And did people ask you, why did you want it? Or did they just give it to you? Well, at the beginning, yeah, I got some of that, you know, but when the, when the momentum, when people started hearing about the letters, cause it was a shift at the beginning, cause I didn't tell anybody. I told no one. I told the people in my house. And after a hundred letters, I told Dana, uh, because I really feel like, and I always say this to Dana, that there would have been not one Facebook letter, letter written without Dana and I's pen palling and without Parker being at the Ronald McDonald house in Memphis. It all goes back to Parker. It really does. Um, and the, the legacy of Parker has to do with all of these letters. Absolutely. And, um, and so uh, back to the I'm losing my train of thought. So, yeah, so how, did you ever get to meet Parker in person or did yep. you just write notes to him? Just wrote notes. I never met him in person. So you know. there's a that that I just want to point out is that I think that so many people in the world think that they cannot have an impact on people that they have not met. 
that they do not know, that they have not had an encounter with. And, you know, that is not true. If you never met this boy, but you continue to write him letters and clearly you were very shaken by what by the end result. I mean, just even talking about it, I see you getting emotional. Uh, you have really taken that on without ever meeting this person. So if you're out there listening today, I want to encourage you, stop trying to have these encounters and meetups, like just do your part, whatever is within your realm of possibility, because you can make a difference. And what a tribute to this young boy that you never met, that here you are on this journey with his mother, that you were placed there to support his mother and be that that support for her as she went through the grieving of his loss. And you never knew him. And yet you felt every bit of that. And that is the power of connection. It's the power of love. It is the power of friendship. It is, it's a universal law. And I feel like too many people are out searching for people and the same thing can happen in the way that you did it. And I think that is the most amazing part of this entire story. And what a tribute to Parker. Um, it's just amazing that he's not even here, but the legacy that he left was a journey that you are now on. I can hardly wrap my head around that, Amy, right now. No, it's so, it's so, you know, I mean, there, there are no words for it, you know, and, and, and I know that now Dana's my best friend, you know, that this is all, cause there's the, the other side of it is there's, it was, it's all, it, it all pivots on this tragedy that no one should ever have to suffer. You know, it all pivots on this. So I can never accept that as a good thing, but then I, then I accept though, that all the, the things that have, you know, come because of it. And that's why yeah. I'm, I'm on a mission. You know, I'm on a mission to share this because, you know, if we can encourage each other to, you know, to act on ideas that we have that are, that make no sense at all, you know, then, yeah. then we, we change, we change the world. I love this so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for taking 18 months out of your life to write letters and find people and connect and do all the things. Thank you for writing that book and putting that out in the world. Dear Dana. Oh my gosh. Just amazing. And you know, it would just be pointless if you just kept all that inside. So I'm so grateful that you're sharing this with the world because everyone can have an amazing story like this and amazing outcomes and be such a powerful impact in other people's lives. Not even like you said, people were talking about the timeliness of your message, right? Like we, you don't even know these people anymore. And yet here you are delivering this powerful message at a time they need to hear it most. If you don't think the universe doesn't have your back, I don't know what to say because how is that even possible? Right? Well, that's it. That's it. I mean, that was such like, a common thread. And I was like, I'm just this skinny hot girl pulling names <laughs> out of boxes, uh, you know, over here. That's all I was trying to do. Oh you know? I and, love that. And uh, <laughs> too bad if I can't see, see me right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm so, so skinny and hot. But yeah, no, you're right. And that's that's exactly it. It, it comes down to it was timed well because it meant so much. Yes. You know? and, and, yes. And, and you don't have to be 
it again, I can say it over and over and over again. It's the act of letter writing. It's not, it does not have anything to do with me personally. It does. I mean, I will accept the fact that I went on the journey as a hundred percent, but we all have this power because I have seen it yeah. over and over again. We all have the power, every we single do. one of us. We do. And sometimes we don't use our power the way we should, right? Sometimes we, we talk ourselves out of it. Uh, but you, that's why I said like, thank you for actually doing it. Cause that was a big commitment and a lot of work and a lot of time. And now here you are sharing it with the world and allowing them the same opportunity that they could do it too. And I love that, Amy. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Well, let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Right. Amydaughters.com. That's the, that's the font of all letter writing, uh, skinny hotness and connection points. You can find <laughs> You can find out more about me and I would love, love, love. There's a form, you know, on the contact, you know, stay in touch. You can contact me that way. My email's on there. My socials are on there. Happy to connect, happy to answer questions, happy to hear your stories, you know, um, because that's what this is all about, human connection. And, you know, again, the person changed the most, including the journey of Dear Dana, including the journey of staring the story is me. I'm the one that has the fullest heart. I love that so much. So to our listeners, oh my gosh, go to Amy's website and send her a letter because I think she needs to get some letters. This is National Letter Writing Day. We're going to call it a month. And so it's the month of December. Let's write Amy a letter. Let's send some love back to Amy. And, And I love what you said, Amy, about like just 15 minutes every day, just go get six cards and write the first six people and just get started and see how that impacts them and you. And it could change your life too. So thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you for sharing all of this amazing, amazingness. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour which is a virtual event that's gonna happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you wanna come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, 
Consider how strong and determined you are, and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be, and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. And so on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners that we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we are going to share their expert zone of genius, which you did so beautifully today. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have you and to share your story with our listeners. But we're not done because we also promise that while we're sharing and spotlighting these fierce entrepreneurs, that we're also going to pull back the curtain. See, everyone hears your story. They think you're so lucky. You know, oh, she's an author. She's written these letters. She's made such an impact. But no one knows the journey of Amy Daughters. So I would love to pull back the curtain right now. And this is where we promise them we're going to share the good, the bad and the ugly of this journey. So are you ready to tell some stories? I'm ready. Let's go. Yes, let's do it. Let's start with the good. Tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Well, I think for me, Cami, is that, you know, when I, when the book, after the book came out, the Dear Dana book, I've heard from so many literal, like strangers, you know, people, because it's, it's one thing when, I mean, friends, that's so meaningful. Like people I'm connected to the, the OG 580 that I wrote to, you know, that, yes. the, how the letters impacted them. But I've heard from so many people, like I have a whole box of stuff from people I don't know. And they've all shared about their, that they've been inspired to go on their own letter writing journey. You know, I've had people tell me they, like an 80 year old woman told me she wrote everyone on the street she grew up in on, you know, and she shared about her responses. I had another lady write to everyone like in her, she had a small high school class. I had somebody tell me that they just decided they would pick 20 people and write letters to them. And over and over again, these short, these stories of the person who wrote the letters and the person who received them. And it's just this, the, the compounding effect of this whole thing is the most humbling thing I've ever been a part of. And it's been so, and especially since it was so non-intentional and especially since it, it blesses Dana and her family, because I share all those stories with her. I think that is the, the, the most good that's been created by all these people. Oh, I love that so much. And that's so fun, right? But now we have to talk about the bad. Right. Tell us a story about the bad part of this journey. Right. The, I think the bad part of my entire writing journey is, you know, I was, I was professionally trained to, you know, to, I got a degree in business management. That was my level. I mean, that was my area of expertise, which again, I used you know, and had success with until we moved to the UK. But over and over again, as a writer, you know, I have doubted myself over and over again. And, and you know, that includes writing those letters over and over, and especially when I wrote Dana over and over again, I'd sit down with a letter and be like, this is nuts. Over and over again, 
I would write people on the Facebook Letter Project and be like, I cannot write Mrs. Atwood from fourth grade. You know, that's ridiculous. Over and over again, I doubted myself, both books for sure, because I was never trained to be a professional writer. I was never trained to do any of the things that I've done since my career pivoted, sports writing, all of it, over and over again, I've doubted myself. And we can call that the imposter syndrome, which I'm sure a lot of people identify that with that listen to you, you know, but I finally, you know, and I have to build myself up every day. Like I'm sure a lot of people do, but you know, the bad has been that, that, that doubt, suffering that doubt every day, you know, and then finally just being forcing myself to believe my own crap, you know, and <laughs> love that. that. And that's the most beautiful thing in the world you can do is be like, you know, own it, own yourself. This is me. I'm not a good speller. I was not professionally trained. Like I go to author meetings sometimes and everyone else on the Zoom is like PhD, like, you know, like, like, la, la, la. They've all got initials after their name. And here's me who wrote a funny time travel book and wrote a bunch of letters, you know, like, what am I even doing here? But you know what we have to, you know, and that's where we have power in each other's lives, you know. And, and, you know, and, and to build each other up. But, it, but at some point we have to we have to legitimize ourselves, you know, because really the only validation we really need is inside of us somewhere. Yes. I love what you just said. Legitimize ourselves. Yes. We're out there wondering what everyone else is thinking. It doesn't matter. They're not even thinking. They're not thinking about us. That's it. That's I think we think that people are thinking about us about 75 percent more than they actually are. <laughs> You know, and and that negative talk in our head, that negative voice in our head, you know, the, the way we shut it down is to keep moving forward. And, and we kick that voice in the head every time we take another step ahead and be like, you know what, guys, I'm doing this anyway. Oh, my gosh. Mic drop. Right. That's, I feel like we just need to drop the microphone right there. Oh, my gosh. OK, Amy, tell us the ugly. Tell us the ugly part of the journey. Well, you know, and I said this, you know, there was the, the Facebook project was so full of goodness. And so there was so much good that happened. I mean, like over the top, like, you know, like I'll go write a book about it. Aha, uh-huh, you know, I did. But, <laughs> you know, there was a couple interactions that were tough. And one, and this is in the book, namely, um, I had a high school friend who one of my closest friends in high school totally lost touch touch with her. She also had a big personality like me. You know, um, I wrote her a letter, you know, very meaningful letter telling her what she had meant to me in high school. She had really helped me through a bad time and she had gone on to be, you know, a successful professional. So, i.e. the steps, I had told her I was proud of her and, you know, everything she'd done. Well, we reconnected in this meaningful way. We exchanged a few letters and then her one of, well, her best friend, um, unfortunately took her own life and she suffered through this horrible journey of grief. So what I learned from Dana was, you know, you just consistently keep up with these people and you, you basically, once everyone else has left the building, there's a window for us. When the casseroles stop coming, there's a window for us to come back in and be like, I still care. Like, I'm still thinking of you. Like, I know it still sucks after six months. I know after two years, after five years, after seven years, it's not better. So I started texting this girl every day. She started texting me back. And then we, eventually reconnected in person and we spent this evening together there was you know a lot of alcohol involved and it was it was horrible because she was trying to share her grief with me and it got you know it got you know semi-violent and you know verbally you know it just went off the chain so like four o'clock in the morning and i got to the space where i wanted to leave i wanted to leave i was really disappointed in myself 
And it was hard to write about because I was like, this is what real human connection looks like. And you're not even prepared to do it. And I was so, but I was in over my head, you know, and I, and I felt like I created a situation that wasn't completely safe, that I wasn't, you know, that I couldn't really help this person, you know, and it was, it was ugly and it was the ugly side of human connection. But, but that it, it taught me though, that it's so super powerful because if you're going to put yourself out there, it doesn't mean everything's going to work out beautifully and wonderfully. We're all going to hold hands and rainbows are going to come out of unicorn butts. You know, and the truth is this girl needed someone who loved her to listen to her. And I think on some level I provided that and on some level I totally blew it, you know, because of my humanness. Of you know? course. Yeah. yeah. That, and that's life, right? Isn't that we can't be all things to all people all the time, but we do our best. We show right. up and you showed up. You were there for her. Wow. That's hard. That's hard. Wow. 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 Amy, any final parting words to our people that are listening today? I just say, guys, go write a letter, go buy a stamp and see what happens next. Drop that thing in a box and see what happens next. I love that so much. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here again, for sharing your story and all that you're doing. It is so powerful, so meaningful and making such an impact in the world. And to our listeners, oh my gosh, you've heard some amazing and sad stories today. And I want to say to you that I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, just get back up. There's somebody out there who's cares for you, who's thinking about you right now. You matter. You matter. And you just need to get back up and get back on your way because you can do anything. You are invincible. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.